Hello and welcome to the WordPress Chick Podcast, brought to you by the WPChick.com. WordPress explained for those of us who get headaches when we hear words like PHP and functions, but want to make money with our WordPress sites. No boring code snippets here, just WordPress happiness made easy. Now here's your host, Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick. Well, hello, Big Dollop. Hey, what's up, everybody? Kim Doyle, the WordPress Chick here. And welcome to the WordPress Chick Podcast, episode number 14. Okay, so if you're wondering what the hello big dollop is, it's a movie quote. And it's probably more of a chick flick movie quote, but it was a Jack Black quote. So just curious, if you know what it was, then uh, (laughs) leave me a comment on the, the show notes or I'll share it next time. So where have I been and what have I been doing? It's been like a week and a half since I've published an episode. And one thing I have realized is with the podcast recording, when I do the solo shows, that I need to learn to batch process. So I need to plan out a day where I can just do probably at least two recordings back to back. As much as I like to chat, more than that (laughs) might be a little tedious for even me. Um, so it's just kind of been a squirrely summer. Um, my mom had heart surgery here a couple of weeks ago and is doing fabulous. But one of those things that sort of, you know, throws you for a loop a little bit. It was planned. It was valve replacement. But my parents have always just sort of been strong and healthy and everything's good. And it was kind of trippy. So but she's really good. She's home now recuperating. So getting back to business. My kids go back to school in a week. I know, I know. It's everybody's like, what? They go back to school in July? Yeah, it's it's called a modified traditional school year. And it's all they've ever known. So it totally works for them. They get like a two week fall break. And then their spring breaks actually like two weeks too. So Anywho, we're not going to run through my family's life <laughs> and itinerary today, but just kind of had to fill you in. It's it's just been kind of a busy summer, and I really need to start um, batch processing a lot of my tasks. So if any of you guys do that, I'd love to hear how you do it and how it works, because I know that for myself that you know the first part of my day is definitely more productive. And first part, I mean, up to probably 2 or 3 p.m., I tend to hit a wall in the afternoons where I just need to get away from the computer. Um, and then I get back on at night sometimes. It just, uh, the creativity, the productivity, it really is the first part of my day. Okay, so let's jump into the actual show today. So there's a lot happening with WordPress this week. So I'm not going to spend too much time on this uh, first little bit, should I say. It's kind of, I don't want to say it's more personal, but it definitely talks more to the personal side of an online business and blogging and writing and all that good stuff. So we're going to go over (laughs) my new obsession with writing, which is bravery. And I have been totally obsessed with I'm one of those people that when I get a song that speaks to me, I listen to it over and over and over again, much to my kids dismay in the car. (laughs) But I just I, I and I really listen to music like I always get I used to get bugged when I was younger when people would, you know, not attack, but just pick apart the music I liked or what you like that because music is very personal. It's kind of like style. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I listen to music based on my mood, right? So if I'm sort of in a pensive mood, or here's a good example. I remember when my kids were little, and my son was, oh, God, probably just two. 
we would go visit my parents at night before they retired away. Um, and I always put Nora Jones on the car in the, on in the car coming back. So it was kind of chill, mellow music. So I played it one time during the day, and he's like, "No night night music, <laughs> right?" Because we we equate music to certain moods or feelings or whatever. Anyway, so. Uh, I was looking for for songs for a new workout mix. Um, I do my little playlist. And I mean, it, it's it's a huge mix. So I'm not going to get into a bunch of stuff. But I was looking for um, just kind of uplifting, positive, that kind of stuff. So I found uh, Sarah Bareilles, who she wrote that Not Gonna Write You a Love Song, if you've ever heard that. I know, kind of pop, but... And for all those guys out there, just bear with me. <laughs> um, but her new album, and I apologize, I don't know the name of the album, but the new song that I have been obsessed with is called Brave by Sarah Bareilles. And which I that was redundant, but we're going to leave it in. <laughs> it really talks about how big is your brave? Are you willing to use your voice and where you've held your tongue before? step out there and she keeps in the song, the lyrics, I want to see you be brave. And you have to watch the video, which I've linked to in the show notes, or just go to YouTube and search Sarah Bareilles Brave. Look for the official video because it's great. She's got people dancing in the most random places, like somebody's in a mall and one person is in a library, someone else is um, outside, sort of like near shops and businesses. And I don't know if there's actually music playing, but they're just dancing all by themselves. They're everyday people. And it's like, are you brave enough to do your own thing? I I just think, you know, bravery is one of those things with blogging and writing. And when you start creating a business, it takes a lot of courage. And it seems to be something that isn't talked about very often. It's like, well, go do it, right? Just go write epic content. Go, Go create something big you know, get your message out there, share it, blah, blah, blah. There's there's all these rules and perceptions about writing. And the one thing, and I know I've said this before, so if you've heard it, bear with me, but I think it, it uh, bears repeating. You know, people don't tell you when you're starting an online business that you're really going to become a writer. Because it doesn't matter if you know, let's say your your primary medium is is video, you still need to write text, right on your site. Um, that was a R-I-G-H-T, right? <laughs> um, but it doesn't matter if you're a developer or designer either. You really need to be able to write content that provides value, drives traffic, and talks about what you do. If you put up just a static site, even if it's WordPress, if you're not going to be blogging, then I hope you've got a lot of money for traffic. Blogging is the easiest. Okay, I'm going to take that back. I want to say easiest. It's it's simple. Doesn't mean it's easy, right? But it's a simple thing to do that will help you build a community. The thing with building a community, <laughs> which it's taken me, you know, five years to get this message, it's really been this year where I've seen a significant shift in my engagement and the relationships that I'm building is because I'm just being myself. I'm putting myself out there. You know, and I've said this before, I'm never going to be like a snarky, get into argument kind of person. I just, I don't want to spend the energy on it, but I still want to state my opinions and I want to be able to be direct. And if I'm not fond of something, I'm going to say so. Um, But I want to back it up with facts, right? Like I'm not one of those people that, this is just stupid. Do you like that? You like that voice? And I think more than anything, we just don't look at that as something that takes courage to do. I mean, it's easy to bitch. It takes more courage to state a 
a valid opinion with with why you feel this way or, or you know why you don't like something, whatever it is. And I think it takes a more intelligent person to give a valid argument or support their point of view than somebody that's just going to be mouthy and make snarky comments. That's my two cents on that. But, you know, back to this whole bravery thing. If you haven't read it, Chris Brogan wrote a book called It's Not About the Tights, an owner's manual for bravery. And it's $4.95 on the Kindle. It's not available as a physical book, I don't believe. Um, but it's like four ninety five, And in it, he talks about this. And I know I referenced this in another post on my site, but pick up the book because it's nice to hear someone who's been down this path. I mean, he's got a huge name. He's got a very successful business. He's had big clients. You know, he's a big speaker, all that stuff. But he still talks about the courage it took him to get where he is and to keep building this and really put his voice out there. I mean, don't quote me on this, but I do think it was like 800 posts that he wrote before he got a single comment, right? And I mean, mind you, this was pre-social media days, but I I just think I I love this theme. I love this message that, you know, it's important to acknowledge the courage it takes to be yourself and be out there, you know, so that I don't care if, you know, you're working with a coach, or you're in a mastermind, or you're part of a community that does things a certain way. Do you have the courage to say, eh, I get it, that's the way you're supposed to do this, but I'm not going to do it. I had a comment um, on my site. The comment was from um, a listener B. So hey, B, if you're out there listening, I'm assuming since you wrote the comment, it's going to be okay that I share this. But this was in relation to a post I wrote, Uh, called Is It Time to Move On, where I was contemplating, should I just go to my name? Should I give up the WordPress chick? Which we're going to talk about names and all that stuff in a a bit in this episode, actually. I I just was I wasn't sure simply because I I adore WordPress, and I'm never going to stop using it, you know, as of this at this point in my life. But I also enjoy digital publishing. I am loving podcast, which is another form of digital publishing, obviously. But there's a lot of other things I like to do. So I was trying to, you know, I was was really thinking, is it time to move on? So that's the name of the post. And this this was uh, B's comment to me. She said, you're waving my flag, Kim. We all evolve through time. And I'm doing a bit of change myself right now. 10 years ago, when I started my micro business, I latched on to some great mentors, took a lot of great courses from the experts at online marketing and learned a lot and still do. However, I felt like a fish out of water because I wanted to go my own way by using all my many talents to deliver. I did just that, but not with a full commitment because so many said I needed to specialize. Well, my experience created a woman of many talents, which actually go hand in hand. I'm a bee of many trades. I decided just this week I'll go back to blogging since my blog on Turkey was quite successful and I can make another one successful just focused elsewhere. Where's the focus? I love to just share my knowledge and useful things I find to make a difference in our personal and professional lives. I'm a good writer and I feel some of my passion whether the less time I spent writing. So here's to you, Kim, for finding new enlightenment and taking me along with you. Blessings to all you do. Which, again, to be thank you, I did respond to her. It was just a very wonderful comment to receive. But I think a lot of us feel that way, that you see, maybe you see blogs or sites in your niche market and you don't want to do it that way. Well, don't. That That is totally where I have found my own space. And the more I use my voice doesn't matter if it's silly or if it's, um, I can't think of the word. 
because snarky really isn't. But if if you didn't read my post called The Real Housewives of WordPress, I would love it if you did, because I talked about the different perceived communities within WordPress, that my perception, right? And the housewives community is a pretty funny one, if I do say so myself. You know, I was a little nervous writing that post, like, okay, am I going to piss people off? And then, you know, most of the people that I would classify in that community probably don't read me and are not my audience. So probably not. But it was a big, it was a big learning experience for me, simply in the fact that I got a lot of sharing and comments on that post, uh, more than some of the tutorials that I've spent forever doing. So, you know, my business is evolving. And there's a part of me that I'm afraid I'm going to lose my audience if I don't keep doing video tutorials, which I'm going to, but I'm having a lot of fun writing and speaking more, um, I guess, coming more from a place of business perspective as well. So, you know, I'd love to hear your thoughts. I didn't go too much into, well, I didn't want to in the post, and I'm probably not going to keep rambling here about, you know, bravery and courage when it comes to blogging, writing, building your online business, because I think that it deserves its own post. And who knows, maybe its own show, we'll see. I I just, that's my challenge to you, you know, how big is your brave? That's one of the lines in the song. And are you holding yourself back? Are you doing what someone else is telling you to do, even if it just kind of doesn't feel right? You have to be willing to to get quiet and say, is this right for me? Or am I doing this for somebody else? And trust me, it took me the, I just turned 43. But I would say it took me the first 40 years of my life until I really started saying no, I don't want to do that, which I always felt that way, but kind of wanted to be the good kid. So anywho, that's that's it on bravery for today. But just, you know, give yourself credit for the times that you do trust your gut And my guess is that if you look back at times where you've trusted your own intuition and said, I don't want to, I don't want to be that, I don't want to do that, whatever it is, and you've stepped out there that you've probably gotten more results from the stepping out there and being yourself than just being a part of the herd. Okie dokie. So let's move on to WordPress business challenges. So last week, I hosted a free webinar just to my subscribers. It wasn't a big, you know, hoop-de-doo. <laughs> I, I think I made that up, right? Hoop-de-doo? There's the word I'm looking for, but it wasn't formal. It was just Q&A. I emailed everybody personally and said, send me your questions that we so we can talk about these things before the webinar. And I may test it as a Google Hangout down the road, but which limits the amount of people there. But it actually worked out pretty good because people were just submitting questions, and I would answer them and read them. What was interesting about the questions and the engagement, the participation, because like I said, it was pretty interactive, no PowerPoints, it wasn't formal. But what was interesting is that they really are common challenges. And I believe, yeah, I'm pretty sure everybody on the call does WordPress sites. So whether they consider themselves a designer or like support Um, or a programmer, you know, it's just customization or custom themes, whatever. Everybody was sort of in that genre. So if if that applies to you, this is gonna be interesting. But the thing is, even if so, let's say you have more of a WordPress site, where you're maybe like a news aggregator, or you teach on something specific, like where I do, you know, I do I like doing the Genesis training to the user, beginning training for users. It's not beginning training for coders. Um, But I like doing that. 
but I still do websites too. So it doesn't matter what niche you have. Maybe you create documentation, whatever it is. This is all applicable across the board. And it's, it's not just a WordPress business challenge. I think they, they run the gamut from anything online. Okay, so here are some of the things that we discussed. Building your business under your own name versus a business name. And I'm going to come back to these points. So I'm just going to run through them to give you an idea. Having a team, you know, so basically having people to go to, whether you're a single shop, solo owner, or maybe you've got a programmer, a VA, a designer, whatever, you know, working with the team, you know, business plans, process flows, finding a niche, getting clients, pricing and fees, which (laughs) I think that that's just... I don't want to say it's a forever issue because my guess is even when you get to the point where say you're charging double five years in, right? It's still, I'm sure that that those questions come up. Are they going to, is this fee going to be okay? Is this whatever? So, um, and then we talked about diversifying. So including other forms of income, eBooks, classes, etc., that you offer on your site in addition to the site work, if that's what you're doing. So, you know, the first question in terms of building your business under your own name versus a business name. I I guess you could say, I mean, I probably, this is part of my contemplation in that post. Is it time to move on? You know, should I go to just kimdoyle.com or mix it up? Well, I didn't, when I was going through that, I mean, I had no intentions of giving up WordPress. It was just that I wanted to expand. So because I've spent five years building this brand, I thought, okay, it was kind of sad to think about giving it up for sure. But, and I do think people equate my name with the WordPress chick, I'm hoping. Um, otherwise, I definitely need to revisit the how to do branding, which is, I'm not saying it's my specialty, but I've definitely incorporated them. Rambling. Anywho, so the, you know, for me, I just incorporated my name into the logo and have forwarded kimdoyle.com to the WordPress chick, the WP chick. So that was kind of what I did. However, I do have a company name because when I started this, like I said, it was like five and a half years ago when I started my business, the WordPress chicks about five years now. When I started my business, I, I didn't, I, I hadn't purchased the domain name, the WP chick. I hadn't made a, um, a decision necessarily. I really thought I was going to get into information marketing and you know, the, the path that evolved is just, I let it happen organically. Um, but my business name is marketing online media because it kind of keeps a bigger umbrella. So all I do is, you know, when I work with clients, you know, it's, they're paying the company, not the WordPress chick, but I have both names. So like a proposal says the WordPress chick, and then it also has marketing online media. I have both email addresses, all that stuff. But I, I think I've mentioned previously as well that I don't do, I really don't market locally it's, it's not my audience and where I have some local clients, but you know, it's not something I pursue and I'm much more selective about it because my heart is in the teaching and the training. And again, I'm totally having a ball writing. So, you know, as that expands, I do less, well, I've never really done the local marketing to begin with, but you know, so having the company name just kind of, to me, allows me a little more flexibility but in terms of a site, so because one of the um, one of the people on the webinar, she thought it sounded more professional in terms of having a site name, uh, a business name. Well, if 
I, I think as someone who's starting out as a designer, and I mean, she's got a business, she's got clients. Personally, I would do the name. If, you know, if I were starting over today, um, again, I have no regrets, but as an example, I mean, WordPress has just gotten that much bigger in the last five years. So if I were starting today, I would definitely do my name because what's interesting is all of my social media, um, I'm trying to think that my Facebook page is the WP chick, but Twitter is my name. YouTube is my name. Google plus I've got a page. LinkedIn is my name. So, and I've just done, you know, what I can to incorporate the brand with my name, you know, my logos on the Twitter background, that kind of stuff. But, you know, my recommendation, I personally, I think, you know, you are your brand, you are your business. So if you're getting started out and you have that, you know, because I think a lot of people get stuck in this, well, what should I name my business? And it's, you know, it's kind of like um, people who get really, really hung up on logos or, you know, design. And I'm not saying you, you shouldn't like those things at all. But <laughs> for anybody who's worked with the client, I think you'll know what I'm talking about when I say that, you know, people get really, really nitpicky. And they're like, well, what is this shade here? Or, you know, can this be two pixels wider? And I'm not saying they shouldn't. It's it's their site. You want them to be happy. But that's not what's going to get them customers, clients, right? It's your message. It's what you're writing. It's, you know, does your site convert? And that's a whole other show. Um, And I'm actually looking, I've got somebody I want to interview for that. So, but, you know, and it's your job as a designer to get that message across to them. Because, I'm sure anybody else out there knows. Otherwise, you could be working with this person for two years because I cannot, they will not commit to a logo. They change them on in colors. None of that really matters. It's really your message. Um, And I'm not saying it doesn't matter, but you know what I mean. Building under your name versus your business name. And I'd be curious to know what your thoughts are on that. I I just think you are your brand. I, I do believe this firmly that to succeed online, whatever that looks like for you, but we're going to go ahead and assume it means building an audience, having more clients, earning more income as part of that, um, that you do need to be blogging and writing. So you are the one writing. You don't want to be writing under admin. So let people know who you are. So you may as well, to me, your business should be your name, your brand. If you're a one person show, and this was definitely relative to WordPress designers and site work. Okay, so another thing that we talked about was, you know, having a team or who do you go to if you you run across, say, a technical challenge that you don't know how to do? I mean, there's definitely, there are plenty of communities and forums and places you can ask questions, but sometimes getting an answer back, you you can't wait for that answer back because you need to get something done. And, you know, I'll tell you, because I started with StudioPress pre-Genesis days. I learned so much in those forums. And there's just, I mean, the amount of customers they have now, I don't know, unless they started doing premium support. But people do a fantastic job of answering those questions in the forum, just free support. So you can definitely get some of that stuff answered, you can look for it. Uh, You can call your hosting company. But for the most part, unless you have a managed WordPress hosting company, uh, shout out to Flywheel, my hosting company, you know, that people that really focus on WordPress, you're going to get a lot of what I felt like were generic answers. It was always you have too many plugins, you oh, it's this, it's that or we don't support that, you know, so having go to people is a smart thing to do. And ideally, you want to do it before you, 
need them because then you're going to be screwed, right? I mean, it's I've, I've been there the first three years of my business. I was totally on my own. And I can't tell you many times I said, yeah, I can do that. And then I had to go figure out how to do it, right? But what I've learned is that is truly not where my heart is. And that's not where I am of most value to my audience. So um, about two years ago, I hired a full-time programmer and a full-time graphics person that are on retainer monthly with me. And we have a just seamless, seamless system now. And it has been the best thing that I could have done for my business because I can tell you I would not enjoy what I'm doing if I were still the one that had to do all of it. It's it's just too much. Since I do enjoy creating the tutorials and videos and writing and now doing this podcast, there's there's just no way I'd have the time because I can tell you as an example, writing the show notes for this podcast was probably a couple hours, the post is long. And then I want to do linking and SEO optimizing and stuff. Then I do the podcast, then I have to record it. So the podcast is, you know, 40 to 60 minutes, then editing. This is kind of going to be my day today. So there, there's no way I could do it all myself. So I was just curious. So we talked about this. And, you know, some people are interested in whether I mean, I've used you know, I've got overseas help, I've used people locally, I've used um, a friend that I knew was up in Oregon, and we'd get on Skype, whatever the case may be, whatever works for you, I would just suggest having that support in place prior to the, the crisis moment. So for those of you that are newer, look for people that have a system you can plug into, you know, I have, I have like my coaching clients, they can We've got, I've set up a, 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 not a deal, but you know, I've got a system where, okay, this is what I'll charge you for this, 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 and this. You know, we've got a real clean system. I use Basecamp. It goes in, it goes out. You know, this is where we put the logins, all that stuff. It's done. It's easy. It's managed. You know, I'd be curious to know what you guys do. I keep saying that, huh? I'd be curious to know. Just share. I'd love for you to share where, what, what you have in place or, you know, things that you've learned. Is there a specific system or, uh, software, whatever it is, or do you just have go to help? Um, but share that. I'd love if you would share that in the comments. Um, it was a pretty interesting discussion with that. And I think the biggest thing is that people get nervous about making that financial commitment. I was definitely nervous because when I when I started working with um, the full time people I have on contract, I had to commit to a year and it was like, God, what if I, I don't have the work to support that? Um, and there were times where it was scary or it was tight, but again, I, you know, I think that where I'm at now, look at it this way. I could, I could probably do one class a month, whether it was Genesis or something else, depending on the topic, but do one class a month and it'll pay for the, for, for, for them. Right. So you want to really look at where is the best value of my time or look for people that you can partner with, you know, find somebody else that's in and say, look, why don't we look for a go-to support person that will work on a per project, a per hour, whatever it is. But I think if you connect and engage with enough people, there's enough support out there that you can get plugged into something. So if you're getting started and you're not sure, that's my recommendation for that. Okay, this was an interesting one. Um, This was uh, somebody had a question about business plans and needing them or not needing them. I don't, I don't I think I mentioned this probably in one of the first podcast episodes, but in 1998, I opened a physical 
retail scrapbook store with a business partner. And, you know, we had to go to uh, the property managers and submit the business plan. So (laughs) this was way, um, way long, right? I mean, 98 was like 15 years ago. So yeah, I can do math quick. (laughs) Um, But so I bought a software program and I sat for eight hours and knocked out this business plan, which I tend to be um, kind of the 11th hour person, you know, like in college, I, was per- I would write the paper the day it was due. It's just the way my brain works. You would think that I, thri- you know, thrived on pressure. I don't necessarily, but it, it worked. Anyway, so I sat down and I wrote this business plan and they were impressed with it, but it's not like they did anything with it. I mean, there was a part of me that I thought I probably could have made up words, right? And just stuck it in there because I don't know that how thoroughly they looked at it. I think they just wanted to know we were serious about it. But in terms of an online business, it depends on where you're at, what stage of your business you're at. And now I'm not talking about setting up structure in terms of, you know, a legal entity or a bank account or any of that kind of stuff, your EIN number, using your social, whatever. I'm not an attorney. I don't play one on TV. <laughs> I couldn't resist saying that. Um, and there's plenty of resources out there for that. So I'm not even going to go down that road. This is simply just a business plan. So this is where I get like, um, I guess where I kind of buck the system because I just, some of that stuff is not necessary. It doesn't mean you're not taking your business seriously. It doesn't mean you're not treating it like a business. You need structure, but you have to find what works for you. And this is another shout out to Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man. I took the podcasting A to Z course in March of this year. And he shared something that was totally invaluable. He went through, somebody had posted a question. He went through and explained, this is, there There are seven areas of my business. And he shared, like, just bullet pointed. And he said it took him a good hour to write this, which it was just, um, it was outstanding. But he went through and said, here's who's in my business. So he and his wife have a couple podcasts they do. So here's who's in my business. This is a support person. This is someone that does event stuff with me. These are the seven areas that I do. So whether, you know, podcast, product creation, speaking, my podcast A to Z, like that's a staple for him. And if something doesn't fit into one of those categories, then he says no. And his business has grown and he's, you know, he's a, he does a lot of speaking now. He knows where he wants to go. And so, you know, for someone who did maybe, you know, one-on-one consulting, he really doesn't have the time for it anymore. So that's the kind of, to me, that's effective business planning. Let's say you've got your structure in place. You've got the bank account. You've done your sole proprietorship, LLC, C, whatever you want to do, right? So that's all, that's all done. In terms of a business plan, I think you do need to get clarity on, you know, do the sort of, um, you know, more thought provoking stuff, get really clear on what it is you want to do and what it is you enjoy doing and then sort of chunk it down. So I did that and I went and I want to say I probably had 10 areas, which sounds maybe too much. They're all, they're all cohesive, but I was very clear that these are the things that I want to do. And if it doesn't fall into this, then I'm going to say no. You know, one of those things, like I want to start getting into speaking. I enjoy it clearly as if I can sit and talk to you for an hour. Um, and I spoke at a meetup in Sacramento on the 16th. Thank you again. Shout out to Brian and Jennifer Bourne for interviewing me, uh, excuse me, asking me to do that. 
Um, it was great. I really enjoyed myself. I got some great feedback. I met a ton of great people. And I sort of just, you know, I made a commitment to myself that if if an opportunity arises and I don't have a previous commitment, then I'm just going to say yes, because practice makes perfect, right? I think it really clear on what you want to do with your business and then stick to that and then reevaluate it. Maybe you want to reevaluate it six months. Maybe you want to reevaluate a year. But, you know, in terms of writing out this big structured business plan, unless you're going to get funding, unless you hope to grow it so big that you can get bought or do an IPO or, you know, you need to go look for venture capital, then you're going to need a business plan. But if you're building your business and you want it to scale in terms of maybe bringing on support people, growing your offerings, growing your income, but you're not going to need outside funding, I, I just, I don't see the point, to be honest with you. Okay, that was kind of a rant. Uh, process flows. We talked about this a little bit. And, you know, for, I, I'm such a visual person that when I started, when I had an assistant for a while, I probably had her for about a couple of years, but I, I wrote this out for her. So the client process, I did a word doc, like step one, step two, step three. And then I did a visual. That's just because me, right? So I did two process flows so she could reference them, um, you know, but a basic process flow for me, say with a client site, you know, creating a class or a product is is different. And <laughs> I can't say that I've nailed that by any means. The client stuff definitely has a process flow. You know, I, I'm the initial contact always. I'm the, I consult with the customer. I talk about what they want, what they're looking for. I get the whole project going. Um, and I know what they're looking for. I know what I'm looking for. We get started on three logos if they need a logo. Logos get sent to the client. The client reviews the work, sends us notes. We go back to, the, we go back to the selected logo, make the changes. Once that's taken care of, we go directly to mockups. Once the mock-up selected, the PSD gets programmed, then the WordPress, the content stuff gets, it's, it's a really straightforward system that I know I didn't finish that sentence <laughs> and make clear, but it's just, you know, this is how this works. So I have a process flow for that. For myself, I know that I need to, um, I don't know if need is even the right word, but I would like to have a better process flow for content creation. And not not posts, because I feel like I've kind of got that nailed um, for myself. But when it comes to products, because there are so many things and I know that I could be doing, there's only so many hours in the day. And uh, I have no desire to start doing crank or anything. So, okay, I can't believe I just said that. It, you know, maybe we'll scratch that. But um, I, I think a process flow would probably help me get more accomplished. Because it's like when you go into that, it's not like this open-ended well, I'm going to start this and let it evolve. You know, I've done a lot of that and that's great. But I think at this point, I need to come up with a process flow for uh, for content creation in terms of classes and courses. Um, okay, so finding a niche. This was interesting. And again, this is all referring to people who do WordPress sites, you know, or in, in have a WordPress business. And it's like, how do you find that niche for, for your, that you can target? So the person who brought up this question in terms of finding a niche, she's very creative. She's also got a scrapbooking site that she does stuff on. So she decided to target sort of the creative market, whether it's an artist or 
somebody who has a more creative business, not scrapbooking, and for some reason, you know, painters, artists, whatever, musicians, that that's sort of her targeted niche for site work. So which is great, because you can easily create content that's going to get you better, you know, rankings in the search engines for that, you're going to get more targeted traffic. That's smart, you know, or I know somebody that is working with targeting coaches, consultants, trainers, like the the solopreneur who has that style of a business. So finding a niche. So we talked about that. And really, we just sort of discussed it. I don't know that we came to a definitive resolution on how to find a niche. But what I will tell you is that if you're not writing, you're never going to find that niche. And again, redundant, I know, but that is how I started focusing on Studio Press and Genesis. Just, I just started writing posts about what I was doing and did some video that got a lot of traffic. And I I looked at my analytics and I thought, wow, this post is getting more content, uh, more traffic than anything else. So that's what I focused on. (laughs) Trust me, I look back at some of those videos. I'm like, wow, those are bad. (laughs) Just in terms of, of, uh, you know, not really knowing how to use Camtasia super well. Gotten better. Probably should. Well, I don't know if I'll go back and edit some of those because they're not even relevant. They're Studio Press pre-Genesis days. But the point is I got started. So you are never, ever, ever going to know what people want from you if you're not creating content. You have to do that. Don't guess. You know, you don't need to go in this having all the answers, but you got to start creating content even if you're you're saying to yourself, I, I'm just a designer. I just do client work. That's all I want to do. Well, fine. Talk about the client work you're creating. Those are very easy blog posts. Share the theme you you created. You know, talk about the client's business. You know, make it cohesive so that people really get a feel for for who you are as a designer. Okay, getting clients. There are plenty of courses out there that will teach you how to find clients. My experience, you you just need to build your business and do good work, right? I, I honestly think that, again, you're building a community, you talk about what you're doing. When you write content that is optimized for what you do, people will find you. I got a client last Thursday, and get this, I just have to share this because this is the first time I've had this. Literally in the email, he said, I have an immediate budget for this. How's that for friggin' awesome? <laughs> if only, right? Every client. So, but done, paid Friday, started. We've got the mock up. I mean, it was fantastic, but he found me looking for Genesis customization because I write a lot about that. So, you do need to, I honestly think, you know, you can market and test. I'm going to be testing Facebook ads. I'm working with a friend who has, that's his business. He coaches people on how to do targeting how to do Facebook ads, how to do conversions. He's got funnels, all that stuff that kind of is like, oh God, it feels like a lot of work, but he's really good at it. So I'll definitely have him on the show um, soon, but I'm testing that to see how that works. So in terms of getting clients, yes, you can do advertising. I wouldn't suggest Google. It's probably super pricey, but really create great content and do good work. Engage in your community and you're going to get clients. Oh, good. The fun one, pricing and fees. (laughs) I really think, you know, a couple things here. So when it comes to pricing, I think you do need to do your due diligence in terms of market value. Find out what people, 
in your market are doing. So here's a, here's an example. So with a gal who is focusing on the creative market, right? I would do, I would simply Google that and I'd look for people that are doing that and see, do they do packages? They have pricing. Do you have to do contact me for a price? Is there a base starting point? If you know, and again, we're talking about sites here, but I would look, you have to do a little bit of digging and you got to figure out sort of what is the going rate. And what I'll tell you is get out of your head that people can't afford this. Therefore you have to charge this because you're, you're your problem right there. You're getting in your own way. I did it myself. Oh, nobody's going to spend this much, blah, blah, blah. And the thing is, I think the longer you're in this, the more confidence you gain, the more you feel, you know, this is what I'm going to charge. This is what I'm worth. What you don't want to do is charge based on the client. (laughs) And this is one of my coaching clients. They had said, and again, sorry if this is redundant, you guys, this is what happens when you don't record back to back or within a shorter time period. But she had said to me that, well, if they're this type of a business, then I'll charge this. If it's, a, if it's a higher end corporate client, then I'll charge this. Well, that's not how it works. Your time is worth what it's worth, right? It costs what it costs. So this was the best advice. Well, it's not, I shouldn't say best advice. Another fabulous thing Susan taught me, my therapist, for those of you who don't know the name that I keep referencing in every episode. And I'm just curious, let me know. I was thinking about asking her, this is a side note, if she would do a, a podcast with me talking about the fear, right? The fear that that we get in our way when it comes to writing and putting ourselves out there. Um, because I've just, I've learned a lot about that. So if you guys would want to hear any of that, holler and um, I'll see if she's up for doing it. Anyways, um, you know, one of the things she said to me, look, is pick, pick your hourly rate. And then just stretch a little bit. So I'm just going to pick a flat number because it's easier. Let's say your rate's $100 an hour, which I know a lot of people starting out are like, oh, what? But let's say your rate's $100 an hour. Can you, how do you feel at 125 And if you're like, oh, I think I could do that, then do it. If 150 is like, nah, you know, the client's going to feel that too. So whether it's an hourly or a project, you know what your time is worth. And I would suggest to, if you're not doing anything formally, you need to track how many hours you put into your projects, because that's also treating your business like a business. You know, I get weekly timesheets from my team. So I can say, this costs me this many hours. This is the rate. This is my my piece in this. I had to do X, Y, Z. So, you know, it's not fun. That's not stuff that I really enjoy doing. But how can you charge for something if you don't know what it costs to create it? The other trick with this is that you have to be willing to say, you know what, I totally understand. You know, I I hope you can find someone that I can't work for that price, or you got to find a more eloquent way to say that. But, you know, if they say, oh, that's out of my budget, say, I understand. You know, if things change, let me know. Um, I'm still here. Best of luck with your project, right? You'd be surprised. But, you have to be willing to say no because every time you take on that project that you're undervaluing and underselling yourself, that's all you're going to get. And I won't go into a universal attraction thing or anything here, but it, it just, you know, and not to mention it, it feels icky, right? When you're doing something, you're like, I should have charged twice what I'm charging for this. So for what it's worth, I think the pricing, your fees, 
you need to be tracking your time. You need to be tracking how much goes into a project because one, you're going to really be able to gauge what it's worth. Um, and then the other thing, again, you know, do a little bit of market research and just, just play with that stretching exercise, right? So just push it up a little bit. And maybe if it's a, a flat project for an entire site, as an example, you know, let's say, again, I'm just going to pick flat numbers. It's easier. Let's say it's 2000. Okay, well, push it to 25 and see what happens. If the, if the client comes back, then you could say, you know what, I could probably do it for 2300. How does that feel? The other option is that you can do it into payment plans. You know, some people, if they're like, I, I'd love to hire you, can we spread this out? And I'm always surprised how many people don't ask that. It, it, you have nothing to lose, but but someone's saying, no, I can't do that, right? If you do that, just make sure you're hosting the site so that if you don't get that third payment or however you want to do it, but if you don't get the final payment, then the site goes away. And you have to have all that in writing. So, you know, pricing and fees is tricky, but you know your time. You're, if you know the value of your time, it's much easier. And then, you know, your, your value is non-negotiable. It costs what it costs. So that's the, uh, the pricing and the fees piece. Wow, I'm rambling here. So, okay, uh, diversifying. This was a good one because it's something that I absolutely adore. I know I've said this before, and I'm going to keep saying it, but nothing beats notification of payment when you're doing something else. It's just, it's a, it's an awesome feeling or, you know, seeing that you got, you know, a few hundred dollars deposited or a check mailed to you for an affiliate product. You know, I, I think that really the only way to scale is to do some of these things simply because you have to get to the point where you're not exchanging time for money, time for money. So I, I think it's important. I think you add value to your audience, right? So if you're engaging and you're focusing on creating a community, why wouldn't they want more from you? Don't assume that people that you're building a relationship with don't want to spend money with you. I did that for a long time and I could kick myself for it. The other thing with that is you want to make sure that you're not, you know, assuming what people want. <laughs> I was talking, I, this is definitely going to be a blog post, but you know, I was talking with another coaching client and she had this idea for um, sort of a WordPress site kit type of thing. And I said, how do you know people want that? And she said, well, I don't. <laughs> you need to ask people what they want. You know, you're going to do better if you're solving a problem that people have told you they have or that you've realized is a problem that people have. The goal is to solve a problem, to offer a solution. And the analogy that I came up with for this was, you know, it's kind of like, going to the grocery store and buying groceries for 30 people just in case they show up, right? So you're going to lose the money on the food because no one's going to show up, right? If you don't invite them, if you don't ask people to come over. So you have to start asking people, where do they need help? Where are they stuck with? And and you can also provide that value and build the trust by providing some of those things for free, you know, I do a lot. I've got a lot of videos on my site that I just do. They're fun to do. They're not super long. It solves one issue or people send me questions because they've they've had a problem with that. And so I've done posts because I've gotten a specific question. So keep those things in mind when it comes to diversifying and adding products or affiliate marketing to the mix. 
whether maybe you want to do, you know, you can do live trainings, you can do just passive in terms of you're not going to do, say, a webinar or a class, but you're going to create a product that somebody, an information product, training, teaching, whatever. Um, you know, but find out if people want it first. You know, when we had this call, I asked people, would you, because coaching is new to me, it's something I've started this year. I'm wrapping up with the last, the other two clients. We'll probably take a month off and then pursue that again. But I also asked this group of people, would you guys be interested in a mastermind? And I got a bunch of yeses. A a place, there has to be structure. There will be a monthly fee for it because there's a, there's a different commitment when people are paying for something. There just is. And I'm willing to start this with three people and let it grow. I, I doesn't, you know, don't be attached to, well, if I don't do this launch that brings in $10,000 a day that the day I open the doors, well, then I've failed. That's not true. You know, stick with it. Let it grow. Be committed to the process. Um, but, you know, you have to ask people what they want. I'm a huge believer in diversifying. I love this. So I've done Kindle. I've got the podcast now. I, I'm going to redo the Word, WordPress Genesis for Beginners as soon as 2.0 is officially out. Um, I'll be releasing that here in the next couple of weeks and I'll start classes again. And one of those things I was like, I'm never doing this again. Yeah. Too many people said they want it. That's just, it, I have a great time doing it and I need to batch that down. So it's a better flow for me. So to wrap up the WordPress business challenges here, um, just each of these points, I would love your feedback. If you have something that works for you, or you've got another challenge that we didn't talk about in this show. Um, or maybe you'd be interested in the mastermind or just another webinar about this, whatever, let me know. Um, but it was, it was really interesting because it was informal. It, we got to talk. I connected with some new people. It was great. Just remember, you need to ask people what they want. Alrighty. Last segment today is upgrading to WordPress 3.6 and Genesis 2.0. I believe... Uh, that WordPress 3.6 is going to be released this week, I'm hoping. The release candidate came out last week. And I'm hoping with WordCamp San Francisco happening this weekend, uh, that 3.6 is going to be live. So a uh, couple things. If you're a newer WordPress user, you're not sure in terms of upgrading, you always want to make sure to upgrade to the latest version. Because when you don't, you sort of increase your vulnerabilities um, and expose your site to more potential for hacking. I can't think of a better description for that, but um, so you want to make sure that you do upgrade. What I would do is make sure you do a full backup of your site. If you're not sure how to do that, check with your host or find somebody that'll help you with that. Whether you're using a plugin or a service like Managed WP and you have your backup sent somewhere or like my host, it's managed WordPress processing. They do backups every week for me, flywheel. So make sure you do a full backup. I don't care if, you know, let's say it goes live Friday and you had a backup done Wednesday, still just do a backup for yourself. I always recommend that, which is pretty much a good rule of thumb for life, right? <laughs> make sure before you delete stuff or you change things, do you have everything you need? So upgrading to 3.6 for WordPress is going to be pretty seamless. Um, upgrading to Genesis 2.0, is going to be a little different. It's still a one-click upgrade, but the biggest um, the biggest changes to Genesis 2.0 is that it supports HTML5 and CSS3. And for those non-techie people, you don't necessarily need to understand HTML5. The current sites are XHTML, 
but that it'll still output the XHTML unless you add one line of code to your child theme, which is not available yet. Um, I saw this in an email from Brian Gardner this morning, not to me, (laughs) to the subscribers. So it doesn't sound like there's going to be a whole lot involved in it. However, there are a couple, um, I put them in the show notes. There's a link to genesisupdate.com. This is, uh, it's Ozzy Rodriguez of OzzyRodriguez.com and Robert New of FatMedia.com, uh, which FatMedia is actually, you need fat.com. Um, but they do have a Genesis Update conversion if you want someone to do that for you. So don't worry that if, if you just do the Genesis Update, your site's going to look fine. It's still going to work. But for it to output HTML5, you're going to have to add the line of code or have someone do this for you. Um, and then the other one is called, it's just genesisconversion.com. And I apologize. I don't know his name. It's Jesse Peterson. Anyways, the links are both in the show notes. So you can, those updates, you can have them done for you or make sure I will share a post on what to do. I'm sure Studio Genesis, they'll have it. Um, there'll be a post on how to do that. And um, I've also linked, there's two other posts that Studio Press put out, one on explaining the upgrade, and then there's one with 11 essential resources about Genesis 2.0. So all of that stuff is there. So it's super easy to do. By the way, um, last little note for Genesis is that for those of you who maybe you've purchased Genesis in a theme or, or not sure, but once they release 2.0, I guess they've got, which I'm super excited about, there are five brand new child themes coming out that are HTML5 and they're compatible with Genesis 2.0, obviously. They have um, updated 10 of the most popular child themes, which is great. I, I miss the new themes coming out. They they had so many before, but I know they've been focusing on 2.0. Um, but it was always like Christmas. You know, I feel like a little kid Christmas morning, even if I can't play with them or touch them for a while. But if you've been thinking about purchasing the Pro Plus package, which is currently $349.95. Um, they do have a special running through this Friday where it's only $299.95, which is, you know, that's a great deal because in the fall, they're going to be raising it to $399, which is considering how many themes you get. It's, I mean, and then you don't pay for new themes. It's outstanding. Uh, the marketplace themes are separate, but uh, just keep that in mind. If you're thinking about it, there through Friday the 26th, you can get $50 off because the price will be going up to $3.99 in the fall. So that is it. Um, if you're going to be at WordCamp San Francisco this weekend, make sure to say hi. Um, hopefully, uh, I'd love to connect with you. It looks like we're going to do sort of a dinner meetup Friday night. And I will be tweeting the specifics of that later at some point today, tomorrow, and until Friday night. Anyways, have a fabulous day. And as always, I would love it if you would subscribe to the podcast and iTunes, leave me a review, comment on the show notes, all that good stuff. So that's it. Take care.